background to this message that I'm going to preach tonight. Um, I, I like to listen to a lot of preaching um, during the week just to kind of keep my mind on the right things. And uh, uh, one of the, one of the uh, places I listen to is a church down in uh, Deland, Florida. They, they had a Bible conference a couple of weeks back. And um, because of the COVID thing, they didn't have anybody in to visit to, to do the preaching. So they had some of their men in the church. Every night, four nights, they'd have, uh, uh, yeah, four nights, they have four guys each a night just give a 15-minute message on the topic, we are blessed because, and it was a great, it was a great uh, Bible conference. The topics included, we are blessed because we have the truth, because of imputed righteousness, because of the fellowship of the believers, because of the love of God. We're blessed because of the church. We're blessed because we are in Christ and Christ is blessed. We're blessed because we belong to Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and that topic of we are blessed, because I think it's a great topic, um, because uh, we kind of we more easily focus on the difficulties and problems that we deal with rather than the blessings of God often. Um, and I think it does us good. It's a good exercise for us to stop and say, why am I blessed? Why, why am I blessed? Well, I am blessed because why? And so it was kind of, kind of inspired me, and I, um, I asked myself the question, well, if I were to say that for myself, I am blessed because why? And the thing that immediately came to the forefront of my mind was the channel by which I have access to all these other things that were preached about. And that is the Bible. And without the Bible, we wouldn't know about the love of God. Without the Bible, we wouldn't know about the gospel. Without the Bible, we wouldn't know about the benefits of the local church. Without the Bible, we wouldn't know about the future that we have in Christ. And so tonight's message I'd like to bring um, is simply titled, We Are Blessed Because of the Bible. So let's pray and we'll get started. Father, I thank you again for the opportunity to bring forth your word, and again, I pray that you just put me out of the way. Um, help, help me just to say the things that you want said. Father, what a blessing it is to have your book with us, and I just pray that you'd help me to convey the, the thoughts of my heart, but more importantly, what your word says about this topic, and that you would uh, be glorified and honored. Help us, encourage us, Lord. There's so much going on in this world that is uh, that drags us down, and and uh, like we talked about this morning, just, just steals our hope. I pray you'd help us tonight just to focus on the blessings we have, particularly because of this book. And I ask that you just help me uh, to preach exactly how you want me to preach and help it to be a blessing and an edification to these people that have come here tonight. And we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And again, we're going to move a lot of scripture tonight. Marge, I'll try to slow it down for you. <laughs> um, but uh, I'll try to keep it uh, paced pretty well. Number one, I got two major points in this, in this message. We have several sub-points underneath of them. But the first reason why we're blessed because of the Bible is because of what it is. Because of what it is. So we're going to go through a couple points of what it is. We're blessed because of what it is. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And we are blessed because the Bible is given by inspiration of God. That is, it's not man's words. It's not man's ideas. It's God's words. It's given by God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul says this to the Thessalonian church, For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because... When ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. 
So it's God's words. And also it's not transmitted or interpreted or, or translated by men, but it's given, it's transmitted to us by God. It's not just God's words that he gave us, but he didn't leave that into the hands of men to figure out. He did it on his own, with his own power. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. It's not up to me or up to you to figure out what the interpretation is. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So this was transmitted to us. The words of God were transmitted to us by God, by, the, by God the Holy Ghost. And the great thing about this is that do you realize how this fact manifests the love and concern that God has for us as people in the fact that God would put a record down of what he wants people to know. Religion likes to leave people in the dark. It likes to leave people with uncertainty. It likes to leave people with doubt. But God gave us words to know and to read and to understand. He wants us to know everything about his will, about his character. He wants us to know what his expectations for man are. And he wants us, like I said, he wants us to, wants us to know the love that he has for mankind. And it also, it also gives us information about mankind's past, mankind's present, and mankind's future. God, the care and concern God has for man is to explicitly give us exactly what he wants us to know and not keep us in the dark. I think that shows a lot about how, what kind of a God he is, that he would give us his words to tell us exactly what he wants us to know. If, if you haven't thought about that, just, just, just consider about every other religion talks about um, if they even say you can get to heaven, they will never give you 100% certainty about it. But the Bible says, these things are written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. God's not trying to keep us in the dark, and that's why the Bible is written. The words of God given to us by, the, by God are there to give us everything that God wants us to know. And it's given by inspiration of God. We're blessed because of that. Look also at Psalm chapter 12. So it's given by inspiration of God. Psalm chapter 12. The second thing here. <clears throat> Starting in verse 6. The Bible says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them, from this generation forever. Keep them. What's he talking about? The words of the Lord. Preserve them. The words of the Lord. Inspiration. Well, someone has once said, inspiration without preservation is a divine waste of time. And they tell you what I mean by that. If God took the time to give us his words through his Holy Spirit, what he wanted us to know, and then left it lost to the destruction of the manuscript, to the corruption of mankind whatever else, what a waste of time that would be to have one time have the words of God and not have them ever, ever after that. When he gave Jeremiah a prophecy against, the, against Israel and the king told Jehudi to, to cut it up and throw it in the fire, God had Jeremiah immediately rewrite that manuscript and preserve the words that he had said up to that point. And then later on in Jeremiah, when God had Jeremiah himself, well, he had to send him through a, a servant, Bring, it, bring the manuscript to Babylon, tie a rock to it, throw it in the Euphrates River and let it sink to the bottom of the Euphrates as a, as a testimony of what God was going to do to Babylon. God didn't leave that manuscript 
just there rotting on the bottom of the, of the river. He had him write it again. He had him preserve it. And I thank God that we have to this present day the preserved words of God. We have access to the words of God. Do you see what it says there? The words of the Lord, thou shalt keep them. The words. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 says, The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. And in Matthew 24 verse 35, it says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. He's very specific to use that, that, that word words. My words shall not pass away. Every word of God has been preserved. As it wasn't given to us by inspiration, it has been preserved for us to still have to this day. Um, it's not, it's not, we don't have to depend upon uh, the teachings of men. We don't have to depend upon oral tradition. I got a book that I can read and know exactly what God said. And that's a blessing. That's a blessing that we still have that. Um, if God simply chose to give his words by inspiration and not preserve them, what good would it have done any of us in this day and age? It done us absolutely no good at all. But thank God that he preserved his words as well. Look over at John 17. So we're blessed because God gave us his words by inspiration. We're blessed because he preserved them. In John 17, here's a couple of the things the word of God is. John 17, 17 says this. The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking here. He says, praying for his disciples, particularly here. He says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We're blessed because the word of God is truth. And I, some people will say this, and it's wrong. It doesn't contain truth. It is truth. Okay, it's not just mixed in there and we can find it somewhere. It is truth. Every word. You notice how God used the term words in Matthew 24? Words. Every word is truth. Thy word is truth. Um, contrast this to everything else in the world. Opinion, news, <laughs> Psychology, science, falsely so-called, politics, religion, whatever else. What, what is there in this world that you can just look to and say, I can just trust that that is absolutely the truth? There is nothing like that other than this book. Unlike those things, the Bible can be implicitly and unwaveringly trusted. I do not have to doubt one bit of it. Now, do I sometimes? Yeah, because I'm flesh and I'm carnal and I'm an idiot. But... I can trust this word without doubt. There is nothing in this word to make me doubt what this word says. Thy word is truth. Also, look at Proverbs 30, verse 5. Just some, some things that the word of God is. And, and there, there's, there's several dozen of these, and I'm not going to preach them all, don't worry. Um, but there's several dozen of these you could probably find in the, in the Bible. I'm just hitting a few of the major things that, that really um, stand out to me that I've learned over the years of what the, what the word of God is and how it is a blessing to us. Proverbs 30, verse 5 says this. <clears throat> Every word of God is pure. Every word of God is pure. We read that also in Psalm 12, 6. The words of the Lord are pure words. That is, they're clean and undefiled. Or another application we could take that with is that they are without corruption or error. Now, um, either way you take that, the word of God is pure. Contrast that again to what's in the world. The Bible says all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You look out in this world, you don't have to take long before that stuff just pops up and that's what you see. 
uh, you're out driving down the, the highway, and there, boom, there's a, uh, there's a billboard with something that I, I don't need to think about or don't need to see. I, uh, my wife just told me the other day, she's playing a crossword game on her phone, and bang, up comes an ad. It's just something, something abominable. This world is filthy. This book is pure. I never have to worry about this book defiling my mind. It keeps my mind pure. We're going to talk about that in a second. But it's, it's clean and undefiled, and it is without corruption or error. It, there's, there's no errors in this book. It's pure. There's no problems with this book. It's pure. Psalm 119, verse 40, 140, excuse me, 119, verse 40 says this, Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. And we're blessed because the word of God is pure. <clears throat> Look also at 2 Peter, chapter 1. We're not only blessed because the word of God is given to us by inspiration, not blessed only because it is preserved for us and because it is truth, because it is pure, but we're blessed because it is sure. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 says this, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. And that's what the word will tell you the Bible is, fables. We have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, what he's going to relate here in the next verse is that experience he had, James, Peter, James, and John had when they went up with Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration, saw him transfigured. And that's what he's going to relate here in this next verse. For he, Jesus Christ, received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So they heard the voice of God the Father testify about his Son. What a thing. What a thing to hear that. That's awesome. And this voice which, we came, which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Look at this, verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. More sure than what? Well, what did he just talk about? The voice of God the Father. Say, whoa, whoa, whoa I don't know about that. Look, look what it says. We heard this voice, verse 19. We also have also a more sure word of prophecy. What is it? Whereunto, verse 19, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place, unto the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts, what is that more sure word of prophecy? Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. What's more sure than the voice of God the Father? The scriptures. That's important to know because there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, God spoke to me. Really? Does it line up with this? An angel came to me. I'm not trying to downplay anybody's experiences, but the Bible says if, if we or an angel of God preach any other gospel unto you than that we have preached, this is Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying, let him be accursed. This book is it. God's, God's done with the verbal, audible stuff. It was important when it happened to Peter, James, and John, but we have also a more sure word of prophecy. And it's the prophecy of the scripture, this book right here. It's sure, it's unfailing, it's certain. There's a verse in 1 Kings chapter 8 that says this, verse 56, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel, according to all that he hath promised. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise. 
which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. Not one thing that God had said to them up to that point had, had not come to pass. Because it is sure, I don't have to doubt what it says, like I already said. Because uncertainty brings instability. And that's, we talked about that this morning. We want stability. We don't, God, and God wants us to be stable. And if I have doubt, it brings that instability. Because it's unfailing, I never have to fear. It's not going to let me down. It's not going to be like, I put my trust in what the Bible said, and it, it didn't happen. That's never going to happen. I don't have to fear that at all. And because it's sure, I don't have to doubt, I don't have to fear. And it's more sure than anything else that you can point to. We also have a more sure word of prophecy. What are you, you going to say is more sure than the voice of God? Peter said we heard the voice of God. We heard it, but we have a more sure word of prophecy. The scripture, something that's written down. That's very important to know because this is, what we, this is all we got now, folks. Okay? Um, it's more sure. You can trust it. It's sure. It's pure. It's truth. It's uh, preserved because it's been given by inspiration. And uh, last of all, of the things that it is, look at Ephesians chapter 6. On this point, we are blessed because of what it is. Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse, uh, verse uh, 13. <clears throat> Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Uh, last of all, on this point, I'm blessed because this is my weapon. I'm blessed because this book is the way I can defend myself in this world. We do not fight a physical warfare, folks, okay? That's, religion does that. Religion goes out and finds the people that don't, don't agree with them and they kill them. That's what religion does. We are not like that. We, we fight a, a spiritual warfare. Even, in fact, even in this chapter, verse 12, says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our, our, our battle is not with men and women, okay? We might have a disagreement with people. They might reject the word of God. They're not the enemy, folks. They are, they are souls that are still alive, that God still is long-suffering with, that is will, not willing that they should perish. They are not our enemy. They may count you as an enemy, I get it, but they are not the enemy. The enemy is spiritual, and we have a spiritual book to deal with that. Second um, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It's not a fleshly weapon. It's not something physical. I'm not told to go out there and behead people that don't, Submit to the authority of the word of God. That's not what we do. So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Therefore, because even though I can hold this book in my hands and it's physical, it is a spiritual book because it fights a spiritual warfare. Consider this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is quick and powerful. It means it's, it's, it's alive, it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. There's the weapon again piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. That's a, those are spiritual things. Those are not physical. Soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
That's what this weapon does. It's not there to hack apart the, uh, someone's head off or take their arm off. It's there to discern what's going on inside that heart. It's there to discern the motives of somebody. It's there to discern what's, what their heart is like. It's there to, when you get born again, that soul gets cut away from that, that body of sin. It's a spiritual weapon. It's not a physical weapon. And that's what the word of God does. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. <clears throat> and we're blessed because we have that. To, to, we, ha- we do have a battle to be in. It's not a physical battle, but we do have a battle to be in. And if we didn't have a weapon, that, we'd be up a creek. Um, it's a good thing that we have something to fight this, this, this battle against. Or to fight this battle with, excuse me. Now, really quick before we move on to the next point, how to use this, this weapon. Use it against yourself first. You need to check yourself out with this book first. Before you get ready to hack everybody else up with what, what the Bible says, turn it on yourself and see what the thoughts and intents of your heart are. Figure that out. And second of all, use it against temptation. What did the Lord do in Matthew 4, Luke 4, when he was tempted of the devil? Every temptation quotes him scripture, gives him the scripture. It is written. It is written. It is written. That's how the Lord himself fought that temptation. He dealt with it with scripture. That's how this weapon is used. Use it against yourself. Check out where you are. Get yourself right with God. Use it against temptation. What does the Bible say about this temptation? How should I react in this situation? And thirdly, use it against what the Bible calls gainsayers, those that want to make a contradiction against what the the truth of the word of God is. Titus 1.9 says, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. Those that are going to come up to you and say, well, I, I think that uh, I, everybody, you know, every, there's all many roads to heaven and we can, we can all get there our own way. What does the Bible say? Use that Bible as that weapon to, to cut apart that argument and show what the truth is. All right? That's what it's for, for by sound doctrine, to, to, to put down that, the, the words of the gainsayers. So that's how that, how that weapon is used, against yourself first, against, you know, against temptation, against those that um, want to contradict the Bible. So we're, we're blessed because of the, by the Bible because of what it is. It's given by inspiration of God. It's preserved for us. It's truth. It's pure, it's sure, and it's our weapon. And thank God for all that. That's a blessing. That's a blessing that God has done all that for us so that we can be blessed by this book. But I'm not only blessed by the Bible because of what it is. I'm blessed because of what it does. And that's the second point here. I'm blessed by the Bible by what it does. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. That's not right. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1 verse 23 says this. <clears throat> Being born again. Now Jesus Christ said in John 3, 3, you must be born again. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. You know what the word of God does for me? It takes part in that, that new birth process for me. We're born again by the word of God. James chapter one, verse 18 through 21, a couple, a couple of quotes from, from that. It says, by his own will begat he us with the word of truth. That word begat, like being born. Begat he us by, with the word of truth. And later on in verse 21, it says, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. This book is how I became a new, a new creature in Christ. Working in tandem with its author, the Holy Spirit, this 
book is the key to our problem with, with God, reconciling us back to God. We were dead in trespasses and sins. How would I know that? I needed the gospel of Jesus Christ to rectify that. How would I know that? This book. Without the Bible, how else would I know those things? I wouldn't know. When am I going to rely? Again, as I mentioned already, oral tradition, please. Do you know how quickly verbal communication can get corrupted? That's why God wrote a book down. And again, that's why I say it demonstrates his love and concern for mankind, to, to put it down so that we can have it preserved. So it, what does it do? I'm born again by it. Look also, we read it already. We don't have to turn back there because we read it already. But John 17, 17 said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Not only has it made me born again, it sanctifies us. There's a, two kind of applications to this word sanctify. Number one, it can be to cleanse, um, to clean up. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 27 says this, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ told his disciples in John 15, verse 3, now ye, are, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. It's that book that cleans you up. And Psalm 119, verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. How, you, how am I going to clean myself up? This book right here cleanses me, sanctifies me. Also, another, another uh, definition or application of the word sanctify is to set apart for a sacred use. The word saint actually derives its, uh, its root is from the word sanctify. One who is sanctified. Um, 2 Timothy 2.21 um, once, we've, once the, the book cleans us up it prepares us to be useful by God um, 2 Timothy 2.21 says this if a man therefore purge himself that's the cleaning up purge himself from these he shall be a vessel unto honor sanctified and meet that's um, um, suitable or, or appropriate meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work Prepared, ready, ready for the Lord to use him because he's been cleaned up by the word of God and now the word of God is going to prepare him to be used by the Lord. We read this in, well, actually, I didn't, I didn't finish reading it, so I'll, I'll, I'll read it again. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 through 17 say this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Great. And it's profitable for what? Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, throughly furnished unto all good works. Ephesians chapter 2 says, Ye are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's our purpose here while we're here. Good works for the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't get saved by good works, but once we are saved, our purpose is that good works for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this book truly furnishes us unto good works. It sanctifies us, prepares us, makes us set apart for a work that God has us to do. So this book, what, it is, what does it do? It sanctifies us. Look at Romans chapter 10. What else does it do? <clears throat> Romans chapter 10. Uh, let's read the whole context. I think we've got time. Starting in verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? So they got to believe on the person before they call on him. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? So they got to hear about it first. And how shall they hear without a preacher? So they need someone to preach this to them. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Excuse me. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report. So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Do you know what the Bible does? It gives us faith. That's why it's so important to have a constant input of this book. Because faith is so important. Why is faith important? Really quickly, in the context of this chapter, it's talking about salvation. <clears throat> how are they going to call on him if they haven't believed? And how are they going to believe if they haven't heard? How are they going to hear without a preacher? And if that preacher doesn't have the... There's no faith unless that preacher's got a book to preach. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In the context of salvation, that's why faith is important. Faith is also important because it's necessary to please God, Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. So the fact that this book gives me faith makes it possible for me to please God. And thirdly, it's our victory. Faith is our victory, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. But if I don't got this book... If faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, how am I going to have faith? So that faith, the victory that faith brings, is directly linked to this book right here. I'm blessed by this book because it gives me faith, increases my faith, helps my faith. Psalm 119, 105. This is a very familiar verse to most people. Psalm 119, 105. Psalm 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What does the word of God do? It gives me light. I quoted, we quoted the verse already in Ephesians 6.12, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. This world's dark. Sometimes you can just feel it, feel it closing in if you, if you get all wrapped up in that mess. This book will give you light. This book will give you light. Um, it illuminates, as, as the illustration is given here in Psalm 119, it's, it, the, it's, it illuminates our path. It gives us some light to see where we're going. It gives us, gives us uh, illumination for proper decisions, for our direction in life, to prevent pitfalls in life. There's a great verse in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, says this, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. What's going to tell you, i got to go this way, i got to go this way? No, keep going. What, what, what tells me that? The word. Thy ears shall hear a word. Hearing the word of God uh, uh, calls us to have some illumination for our past. It gives, gives us light. And we read this verse this morning, uh, Romans chapter 15. So what does the word of God do? It causes us to be born again, sanctifies us, gives us faith, 
gives us light. Romans 15. Verse 4 says this. We read this this morning, but uh, for the sake of this message, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. You know, what the, you know what the scriptures do for me, do for you, if you let it? They give us comfort. The scriptures comfort us. And this could be a whole message in itself, just, just how, how all it does that. Um, but, you know, it, um, we talked about how it's light. In, in darkness, sometimes more, even more than just illumination, sometimes darkness, light is just a comfort to have around. I go out, you know, camping every once in a while, backpacking out into the middle of the woods, and just getting that fire going and getting some lights shining around that campsite just kind of gives you, you know, helps you relax, you know. You know, you can't see the, you know, scares me the boogeyman, you know, <laughs> keeps him away. Um, but, you know, you know what I mean, that, that light, when, it, when it's dark, that light, just, it's just a, not only does it help you see where you're going, but it's a comfort factor. And that's what the, the, the Word of God does. And in addition to being light, it gives us comfort. Um, Psalm 119, verse 52 says this, I remembered thy judgments. We can use that as an application to the word of God, the things God has told us, written down. I remembered thy judgments, judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. I can't tell you how often that I've gone to this book, not necessarily for instruction or guidance or knowledge, but simply because I needed some comfort. I just, I just needed, I needed the Lord to calm my mind, still my spirit, just go to the book, and what does God have to say for me today? It just comforts my heart. It stills my mind. This book is a comfort. And Paul wrote in Romans 15, verse 4, whatsoever things were written, were written so that we might, by comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. We talked about hope this morning. By comfort of the scriptures. It's a comfort. It's good. Last thing that I'm going to talk about that it does for us, Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 24. <clears throat> says, Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. The word of God gives us counsel. This world gets obsessed with psychology and psychiatry and guidance counselors and, and all the like. I got a book that can give me counsel. I have the scriptures. When I got nobody else to turn to that I can trust, we talk about this book is truth, we can trust it. Sometimes there's just nobody else I can talk to. I just have no idea who I can trust. I can get counsel from this book. Maybe, maybe nobody has an answer for you. You've tried, try to you know, talk to people, and nobody has an answer for you. I can get counsel from this book. And maybe some people have advised you, maybe some people have counseled you, but if you want to confirm that counsel, check it out with the book. It does, 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 the, does their counsel, and God's given you people, like we mentioned this morning, God's given you people to counsel you and help you, but does it line up with the book? This book is, the words of this book are my counselors. This is what I need. I need, I need some advice. I need some I need some. some what, what do I do here? How do I make this decision? And that's what this book is for. Part of what it's for, what it does for us. It gives us counsel. So Word of God, we're born again by the Word of God. We're sanctified by the Word of God. The Word of God gives us faith. It gives us light. It gives us comfort, and it gives us counsel. That's what it does for us.
The word of God is given by inspiration. That's what it is. It's preserved for us. It's truth. It's sure. It's pure. It's our weapon. And this is what I'd like to close with. That's been kind of, this has been kind of teaching for the most part. A little bit of preaching in there. But I'd like to do a little preaching to close this as a, as a summary here, as a conclusion. Look at Revelation chapter 1. All these facts are a blessing to know. I'm blessed by the word of God because of these things. But how can it go from just facts to actually blessing me and you? How, how, can, how can that be done? Look at Revelation chapter 1. We'll start in verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass... And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. I want you to note this verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Now, I know, you know, verse 3 is talking particularly about this revelation that the Lord gave to Jesus Christ that he was going to communicate to John. But I don't think we're too far off the mark taking this application as to those scriptures in general. Look at verse 3 again. Blessed is he, number one, that readeth. How can I be blessed? This book is a blessing, but how can it be a blessing to me? Read it. Personal input of this book. Okay? That, that, is, that is primary. I don't... Everybody's got different reading abilities. Everybody's got different ways they read. You know, the Bible said when God gave the talents to the, to the servants, he gave them each according to his several ability. Everybody's got, a, everybody's got an ability they can do. But if you can read, read the Bible. Read it daily. Okay, you don't eat every once a week. You don't eat once a week. You eat Daily. Read the Bible. Have some personal input to it. One chapter, I don't know what you can do. Everybody's got a different, different capacity. I don't know what your time frame is, but somebody's got time to read the Bible. Read the Bible. And the Bible says you'll be blessed. Blessed is he that readeth. The second thing it says is, blessed are they that hear the words of this prophecy. You need to hear this book. That's why you're here right now. You need to hear the book. But kind of like taking it beyond that, I'd like to, you know, I think... The word used elsewhere in the Bible, it says giving heed. Psalm 119, we talked about it, right? Psalm 119, verse 9, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed. You're not just letting words cross your eyes on a page or go through one ear out the other in church. Take heed to it. The attentiveness we have towards this book. Hear it. Uh, We read that passage um, in 2 Peter chapter 1 about a more sure word of prophecy Immediately after that, it says, whereunto you, you do well to take heed. You would do well. I would do well to take heed to this book. Listen. You know, like the parent says, I, you're hearing me, but are you listening to me, you know? Is it going in and staying in there? You know, uh, are you listening? So there's a blessing for reading it, but be attentive to it when you're reading. I, 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 you know, my parents always from the time I was born, encouraged me to read my Bible. And I'll be honest with you, so a lot of times in my early teens, into my teens, I did it and it was kind of like, 
You know, it was like, I mean, I mean, it was just skimming. I mean, there was, there, there was I was reading something, but it was, it, I wasn't taking heed to it, okay? It was, it, was, it was not doing me any good at all. Take heed to it. Read it and take heed to it. And what does it say at the end there? Blessed is he that readeth. Blessed are they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. Doing what it says. Keep it. Do it. You know, when, when the Lord talks to Israel about keeping his law, they're not, he's not talking about keeping it up in the, in the Ark of the Covenant and having it there. He's talking about doing it. Do what it says. Do what it says. This book is, as well, we talked about some of it already, t- tells us everything about how to overcome sin, how to pray, how to give, how to be a witness, how to be a better wife, how to be a better husband, how to please God. All these things, facts, but if we don't do them, what good is that? You are blessed if we actually do and keep the things that are written in this book. Um, There's a good, good verse. We'll, um, I like this passage. Ezekiel. I, I said it was the last one, but I, I, I lied. Sorry. Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel 33 says this. Uh, some verses at the end of the chapter here. <clears throat> this is what we don't want to do. Ezekiel 33, verse 31, says this, uh, verse 30, still before seven, 6 o'clock, verse 30, Ezekiel, Ezekiel had it rough, man, God basically told him, go and prophesy, they're not going to listen to you, <laughs> what a thing, uh, verse 30, also thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses, and speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, come, I pray you, and hear what is the word from, that cometh from the Lord. Oh, let's go hear it. Let's go hear it. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they, hear, for they hear thy words, but they do them not. If we read this book and we hear this book, but don't do it, it falls short, it falls flat. That The blessing is lost. These people were hearing it. Oh, let's, go, let's go hear the preacher. Let's see what he has to say. Oh, this is really good. That was a good message. Okay, see you next week. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to alter my way. I'm not going to submit to God. I just like hearing the preaching. That was a good message, good illustration, good, good scripture. Are we going to do what it says? With all that the Bible is, with all that the Bible does, are we reading it, are we hearing it, and are we keeping it, are we doing it? I thank God for this book. This book has been a blessing in my life numerous times, things where I've just been at my... End of my rope, my wits end, didn't know what to do, didn't have an answer, I needed comfort, I was struggling in this book, and thank God for this book. I don't, I don't know, I, I have no idea what would happen if I didn't have this book. And I, I hope I, it's an encouragement for you tonight to, to think a little more about the blessing this book is. Maybe you're not reading it like you should read it. Maybe, I know, I know we all do, we, we, we see the things that it says, and we don't, we don't, all of us, we don't always do what it says. Let's, let's try to do what it says. And it'll be a blessing, it'll be a blessing to us. Amen. Uh, Brother Tim, you want to close this prayer, then you can come up and.
do what you got to do.